Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey. Man, we're trying to get this whole thing figured out with the intro. Uh, Welcome to the Futurist. I'm Ben Rohde. And I'm Alex Lightman. Glad to be here. Alex Lightman. Hey brother, um, it is always a pleasure. So we've got we've got the Colonel uh, Jim Channon on the on the line here, and we'll be interviewing him in about thirty minutes. And we were just talking to him, and he, we asked him, "He's the most interesting Colonel since Colonel Sanders." <laughs> well, uh, you can say that again. Um, by the way, my my um, uh, aunt, my, or not my aunt, my grandma was good friends with Colonel Sanders, and used to drive him around. Uh, <laughs> Looking for places, looking for people that would buy his chicken recipe. <laughs> nice. That was my dad, so, my dad's. So mom your grandmother was an early Uber for Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yep, pretty much. My grandma. Did he, did he? I heard that he paid her in chicken. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure she was a big woman. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's fun. I'm so excited so what, about our show. So. Who, uh, tell us about our guest and why he is so amazing and why this will be our best show ever. And why he's way more exciting than uh, my grandma's buddy. Um, so Jim Channon is the inspiration for the men who stare at goats. He was the one – and I, I, I don't have the exact details on, on this, and we'll have to get this from him because I mean, you, know how, uh, you know how stories are in movies and, and all that. How, I mean, it's, it's, it's based on a I was born in Hollywood, himself. so yes, I was born, I was born amidst all that chaos in, in Hollywood <laughs> Babylon. Okay, cool. So he is the one who introduced the military to the Human Potential Project. And nice. he, he traveled around and went to different schools all over the world and, you know, schools like Esalen and studied consciousness and brought this back to his own military project. And they just let, they they funded him and they just let him do whatever it was that he needed to do to figure out how to, how to bring, how to give psychic abilities to soldiers. And they called it remote viewing, and it was a scientific thing. Where and it's it, it's still going on today. They still use this. And my fa- one of my favorite lines from the movie was the, the this this guy goes up to um, uh, the, the guy that's higher up than him, and he goes he goes so he's telling telling him a story, and he says we need a psychic ops program. Somebody spread a rumor to the Russians that we had a psychic ops program and and so they wanted to keep up with us so they started developing their own psychic ops program now we have to develop a psychic ops program to keep up with them (laughs) right that makes sense so that was jim so i'm I'm excited now our normal 
our normal format is for you and I to talk for half an hour and then bring on a guest. However, if you would like to bring on the colonel earlier, we have so many things to talk about that I think we can change our format for the show, if you'd like. All right. And and if he's willing. All right. I'll pull him on. I'll pull him on. Colonel Channon, are you there? Aloha. Uh, Welcome from Hawaii, my friend. Aloha. (laughs) How's my voice? I'm sounding good. You sound good, my friend, loud and clear. I'm sure your internet reception is better than mine. So Jim was up at 4 a.m. for the show. It's a little bit different time. I I love that we always, we tend to do this show in three different time zones. Definitely an international show. Um, So anyway, Colonel, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor. Uh, When you and I got off the phone last week and uh, Jen who was on the call with us, Jen said, Jim is one of the few wisdom keepers, elders on the planet right now. And she, she was just blown away by the stuff that you were talking about and how wise you are. And, and so I'm excited for our listeners to get, get a feel for that too. So uh, can you tell me, uh, can you tell me how exactly that, uh, that unit started in the government, uh, in, in the military? How did that start? Uh, the, the time uh, was just after Vietnam when we were sort of, at, we, we were exposed as having lost a war. And that was hard on everybody, but especially right. the officer four. And there were four generals in the Army that were about as bright as they, anyone can get at that point in time. And they sort of put the word out to, you know, we, have, we, we need to have a wake-up call here. We have to get out of the box. And uh, Mike Malone was a colonel in the Army that you would call like our poet laureate. And uh, he was given the job of assembling what we call now the Magnificent Others. So... Yes, the Army's not known to be a collecting point for creative people. But I tell you what, 30 minutes in combat, you get very creative, very (laughs) And all the travail of moving soldiers around and and whatnot is a very, very educational process. So here we are, and uh, they, they set up a think tank called Task Force Delta, and the mission was to basically get the army ready to fight the Soviet Union in Europe uh, on a very kinetic battlefield, you know, very messy, very dirty war kind of situation. And why it was just kind of hard to get people up for this. <laughs> so right. uh, as, as part of the think tank, I was uh, actually working out of Los Angeles, and I was I had – access to high-performance training of all kinds, uh, including the, the Dallas Cowboys. And then I jumped over into the, uh, you know, New Age department where the the window was just raising up to mostly to the Far East where energy was the big subject of the day. And, uh, you know, the digital heads had to kind of like, but you know, move their atoms around a little bit to sort of get it. But I 
just could manage to get a full page in this field manual called Evolutionary Tactics. And here, here's the Army doing a book called Evolutionary Tactics, and the, and the West Coast guys, a cutting edge, they were doing the whole Earth catalog. Well, we got the 5D department handled in this case because I would illustrate and I, and I did it in a comic book form, which is highly uh, uh, you know, consumable. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm holding the book pra- in my hand. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and, and you know, prana is easy to explain with a little bit of bitty arrows moving through your body. And all of a sudden, some of that comes to life. Well, lo and behold, you know, after a while, I had 125 pages, and I took it to the Task Force Delta meeting, um, and I decided, you know, I'm not going to be another one of these guys that puts these in the PowerPoint till death uh, show. Uh, you know, just, I have 125 things, but my God, that's how you don't dump that on somebody right away. That's digital hell. So I said, well, I'll just use a cultural tool. I'll gather these guys up and we'll have a mystical ceremony and I'll induct them into this mythical unit called the First Earth Battalion. And there at the officer's club on Wednesday night at Fort Knox, I drug all the plastic plants up from behind the, <laughs> the couches and made a circle and turned the lights off and lit a candle, and they came into the room. And boy, they, <laughs> the snicker factor was really high. Oh, I bet. <laughs> What is this guy going to do? So first thing I do is I say, you know, let's put some resonance in the room. And they're going, resonance? And uh, we'll just sound. I'll make a sound. The sound of E for the earth. And uh, I said, you ready? We're going to do this all together. We're going to, like, wake this space up. And they're just looking at me like spooky. And uh, so we do one. And, of course, it just doesn't work, and some of them laugh, and some of them cough, and whatnot. And then they give them the army drill. Say, look, we're going to accomplish something that's very important here. I want you to pay attention. Next time, take a breath before you do this, okay? Ready? Breath in. Now, well, you know, sound works. And pretty soon, this wonderful energy field and and Paul came over the rule, a room. And so I said, look, let's imagine we're in this mythical battalion and let's reinvent the army from here. Let's move into other dimensions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, long story short, they go away quietly that night and next day report to the conference room and I report to the conference, too, but the guy, there's a guy at the front door who says, no, Colonel Cannon, you can't go in here. And I'm going, I can't go in there. <laughs> and then I hear behind the door and through the cracks, I hear all this mumbling, you know, consternation of all kinds of that. Oh, crap. I have gone too far now. And I'm a, I'm used to being I'm used to being very out there, you know. I can do ten or fifteen accents, you know, and I can uh, mime like a crazy man. And what, you know, I've been doing this stuff for fifty years now, 
and I, I didn't just start this last month. And uh, so, so, so Jim, tell I, me, tell me, what were your, what were, so you, you said you wanted to take the military and and transform it. So what, like, what, what is that? What is your vision for that? And this is what blew me away the most when I said, oh my God, I've got to have him on the show. How, how do you see us being able to use the military in a way that will be a humanitarian effort and will benefit everybody? Well, first thing, when I was in combat, uh, I learned to be a sentient intelligence. I learned to use everything I had, and I turned myself into a complete team of sensors as I talked to my men, because I could tell that they were feeling things, they were not seeing things. So after converting them into a group of people that was so stealthy and never had to shoot anybody, never had to bust the village open, none of that stuff, because we were moving on a... There you go, other dimensions. And those dimensions, by the way, used to be part of every young man's life when we used to hunt. Hunting was something that everybody yeah. engaged their senses. So I every had sense. this idea, simple idea that, that throwing stuff at each other, you know, like a very kinetic warfare kind, is really dumb. We have to reset the stage for, for conflict and combat. So the reset was basically like what we're doing together right now, which is we're picking up all these little pieces from fifth dimensional awareness, and we're saying, what would that look like if we all do that? And we're taking the whole civilization into a subtler phase, a more extended phase where we can touch the numinous, where we can get information from past souls, channels, angels, whoever they might be, it's subtle information, but after you get used to using it, you know you're in the the realm of a higher power. And so, hello, the world was closing in on itself. National boundaries were completely stupid, made no sense. Regionalization was going to make sense. Internet was coming on strong. And I said, the way this always happened before is you create a mythology and you create heroes. And then you tell that as a proto-mythology. That's my word. But you, you imagine that such a unit exists in the future. And by the way, they have this field manual, you know, and they're going to do things in a completely different way. And so instead of firing our weapons as we entered the village, we did soft entry, and we signaled our coming with music. And we didn't have the first five guys with big weapons in their hand. We did have a machine gun within range if we needed it. But the way they've been kicking our butt in the Middle East is that they, they trigger a firefight between us and the civilian population, and there you go. We've lost it right there. So right. soft entry became a tactic instead of reconnaissance by fire, which is what we did in Vietnam. We just all fired into wherever we were going before we went there. Okay, that's, that's just a piece of it. But when they opened the door to this conference room, they said, Colonel Cannon, report! I, I, I just marched my little butt in there because I could feel the energy. And the, the boss of this think tank 
made me, read me orders as the commander of the 1st Earth Battalion to go forward in space and time, you know, and dare to think the unthinkable. I still have those orders in my hand, and I haven't, I'm not off the job. <laughs> it's 50 years later, and I'm still on the job sending the Army all of this 5D stuff that I can put together. That was that was interesting, and then I pumped the field manual out, and the four stars thought it was fabulous, but they didn't send it to everybody in the Army. They have a way in the Army using efficiency reports to know who the creative guys are. So throughout the Army, I think 250 copies went to all the bright guys, and they started to create, and their commander says, I want two new ideas every month, and the Army turned into an invention machine. You know, and a lot of it was cultural invention. I mean, right now, if you listen to industry, they'll cover a man with all kinds of bulletproof stuff until he has no sentient intelligence because they're selling right. stuff. But that's not what the uh, special forces guys do and the and the snipers and all the people we now have broken down into more independent ninja-like forces. So, um, and the field manual went just, uh, and all the, all, by the way, all of the nerds or all of the, you know, droogs that, that only follow the rules, they realized they were out of the loop. And they lost power to the guys who were innovative. And the Army just went on a rampage. Now, I didn't invent remote viewing. I, I was a multi-dimensional sensory tool myself in combat, but the remote viewing that was done in the army proved to be very, very potent, and that put us into a yes, like as we forward in space and time, that put us beyond space and time. Imagine the Russians have something submarines out there, and all of a sudden this one team comes up with this giant submarine. And uh, the, the, they told uh, the engineers in the Army about it, and they said, no, that, they can't have one of those because we can't make one. And lo and behold, one day, there's a, a recon plane flying over the Pacific, and they take a photograph of this giant submarine. So that very act stretched everybody's mind into a place where we were bending spoons you know, which is psychokinesis. And so we stepped into the whole next range of influence beyond time and space. And the okay, so I have, a, yeah. I have a question. So all this, all this information, this is really, really good information that you're, that you're downloading. And, I mean, this is high-level stuff. I mean, if you're still downloading, inf- if you're downloading information on 5D consciousness and psychic abilities and and the greatest powers in the universe right now and sending it to the military my concern is that and this this is where i want to hear your answer for where's the future right my concern is that the military industrial complex is not yet in the future right and so where what do you where are you sending this information are they um and, and i mean i i like my concern is that it's getting into the wrong hands, and I mean this is powerful well, stuff that we were talking about the other day. The first thing you got to do if you grew up on the West Coast, 
is you told some very dumb stories about people in the military and corporations, by the way, imagining these guys with master's degrees that have traveled all over the world and been in tough situations don't know what they're doing. They are very competent people. But to doubly answer your concern, I repackaged all of these tools into a mythology about a unit that used it all for natural security, not national security. Yes. So I'm playing around with the big mythologies, and if you go to earthbattalion.com, you can see a giant set of those restatement of the rules of how we play with military forces in the world. And it's a huge list of things they do beyond, you know, blow each other away. And um, that that has taken me a long time. Like, I built the world's fastest combat dune buggy, and it was so popular. <laughs> but you, could buy, you could buy one of those. It, it, it was one one-hundredth the price of a tank. But when you're through with it, you can put a, a chipper and a mulcher and a hopper on the back of it and give it to the village where you're in as a, as a farm vehicle. And so that military conversion is built right into the, into the genius of all this, the way I and a hundred other uh, bright officers rethought the army. And, um, um, yeah, so I know you can't swallow that until you sort of say, look, well, you're looking at the manual, so you get some idea of how you can transfer the ethics of a unit at the same time you transfer the tool set. And um, that's what I can say. So if you if you have that opinion that everybody that belongs to a structure is the problem and the real solution lies out in, in – uh, in uh, little small villagers, villages somewhere, you're not quite there. So I live on uh, three acres where we have 12 people, and we're very, we're past permaculture in what we're doing here, and that may take some discussion, but we're building new footprints for the bioregions. And we imagine a time when people will assemble around the watersheds. That's what needs to get protected. And some of those people will be veterans and some will be combat units that are now transferred to national security. And there'll be local native-born scouts that come. There'll be a few players from Agartha that come up from from underneath. Uh, And they will be joined. Now, here's where your guys get to come and play. Festival team cultures. The, the hope of the future are the festival cultures that have emerged from Burning Man and and the softer elements of that who can put a village together in two days emotionally. And the music plays and the the, the people, uh, you know, affiliate at a high level, blah, blah, blah. So can you imagine that? A festival culture is in the middle of uh, ex-vet or veterans and um and the military guys, they drive up, they have all the trucks, all the tools, all the lunch, all the medical, all the water, you know, and go to work. Yeah. You know, and these little, uh, what I call Operation Green Lightning. 
and uh, and imagine how fast we could pop up, say, 50 green villages like that. Uh, and this, by the way, is why, why, tell, the, why do you call it Operation Green Lightning? Because that mythologizes it now where it's not a reality into a, uh, a mindset that can become a reality. So that's why we have a First Earth Battalion and a New Earth Army, you know, and that's why we have Operation Noble Steward. And uh, I taught 230 promising young military people who are all have all become generals now how to take the military that they have and to work on the planet, recovering the planet. They did that in training rooms in the Command and General Staff College um, 20 years ago. So those guys, that's why those guys are in power now. So they're not insulted by asking for, for having a mission of taking care of the planet. No. There was a time when the soldier couldn't do that because they were all big, big blowhards, you know. That was the model of uh, the draconian model of warrior. But warrior monks don't do that. Right. I love your I love your optimism about about the military. That's one thing that that I've always loved since the first time I checked out your website and just, you're so proud to to be a colonel and you see the good in things. Um so can you can you show me or can you tell me can you tell us a story about something that happened through these tactics, through everything that you're that you've been discovering and and teaching the military that something amazing has happened. There was uh, three years ago a platoon that marched into an Afghani village, and they were marching in a formation and sort of it sort of sounded a little bit like the jackboots thing, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the locals began to just be insulted by it. You know, say we're not putting up with this anymore. The platoon leader stops his men. He says, go down on one knee and aim your rifle into the ground. And they did that beautifully, quietly, and stayed there. And there was a pause. And all of a sudden, they got a round of applause. (laughs) And went more quietly, more quietly along their way. You know, um, that's great. So, I mean, what, what, what I love about that is, so 4D is the structure and 4D is the systems and, and the way that they had all been trained in doing things the same way, which is important at certain times. And there are certain times where the system, the structure breaks down and you need to get creative and get lucid in the dream and do things a little bit differently. So it's nice that he had that tool instead of being rigid and and trying to do things in a in a more forceful way. Yes, and it's a it's a big shift, you know, and it takes uh, a lot of courage on the part of the leaders to do that because if if yeah. then the the soldiers get waxed, it you know it doesn't it does not and it's so tricky in the Middle East. It's such it's a tough place to play the game, but. Another way, you know, at a bigger scale, they put in a, a cell tower in Afghanistan and passed out 15 million cell phones to the kids. Wow. You know that? Yeah. 
And what, so what's been the things. what's been the results of that? How, how has that uh, affected things? I don't know that I can give you particular examples, but it's allowed those young kids that were controlled before by a very outdated culture to meet the kids of the rest of the world. So the music of the rest of the world is coming in. These kids are being enculturated in the next world, not forced to be in the last world, which is, you know, as you look at the whole planet, uh, commerce moves around the equator pretty much. And when we went to Vietnam, we opened that doorway, the gateway, all the way to India for commerce. And now all those nations are learning from us, and we learned more about what we could do from the Far East than any other place we could learn it. But that is not true now in the Middle East where the other side of India is still pretty choked up. And part of what's going on there is, of course, stealing other people's oil uh, in ways they can't tell it's even being taken out. But the other thing is that it's... Can can I ask you a question about that when, when we have a chance? Oh, yeah, anytime. May I yeah. ask you now? Yeah. Uh, I've done some some work for the Department of Defense, uh, transition plans for Internet Protocol version 6, and I've also, uh, my work was good enough that I got hired to do it for the chief scientists of NATO, and I also did a national innovation plan for the White House, and I asked them if I could do a project saying how the U.S. could get completely off of oil, and I even volunteered to do it for free, and they had no interest in it. And one question I've had is, is it fair to look at the U.S. military, in particular the Navy, as providing free security surface, uh, services for oil tanker protection? So there's over 100,000 miles of oil tanker routes that the U.S. secures. Uh, basically, isn't that something that the oil companies should be paying for themselves and passing on to consumers? I mean, is there... Has the military consciously said, well, this is actually a commercial enterprise for the whole world's oil industry that we're subsidizing, and it doesn't really have to do directly with national defense? I mean, do they think of it that way? Have they had those discussions? Like, why are we paying for China's oil industry's protection and Japan's and everybody else's? Hmm. I haven't been privy to any discussions that would help me answer that question, except uh, there's always been a compromise when it relates to uh, free trade and uh, sea lanes and stuff. I mean, that was a Navy job and has been. But now the Navy's gone off and made engines for their ships that run on seawater. So there's the other side. Yes, and biofuels, so they don't need oil anymore. You know, we know that uh, Winston Churchill, when he became Lord of the Admiralty, switched from coal to oil, and then we had to have oil, if if only to run the ships, but also economies. But we no longer need that anymore. So what are we doing? Well, we're being paid off by the richest people in the world who've been selling oil for a long time. And uh, I, you know, it's a... There's always been a level of crime, and underground doesn't always hurt things. Sometimes the, I mean, the Russian mafia is who Putin's operating with right now, and I think I think they have some good qualities. 
Lord, Lord knows large or- organizations are not going to save us from anything in the long run. They all ossify and get flabby and, you know, lose their mission. Uh, never, so I can't make a direct comment, but the Navy right now, if you believe what's going on, is running a space program and trading with 90 different extraterrestrial nations. Now, um, okay, how does that work? How, how, first of all, um, are there aliens? And second of all, I, I, I often do these question and answers on my page, and yes. uh, I can answer all the questions, but one that people ask me, uh, in fact, someone asked me just yesterday is, uh, how many alien civilizations are there that are visiting the Earth right now? And yes. my question would also be, um, what's the what's the evidence, if if any? So, can you would you mind talking about uh, yeah. aliens? Well, sure. And- if, if you uh, if you operate like an intelligence officer, you take reports and you plot them on a map, and then the trick is to connect the dots at some point, and you can find out where things are going. Well, there have been enough a volume of reports about aliens. My current map has 90 – I have the Earth in the middle of the map. I have the middle of the Earth showing 11 civilizations on the inside. I have the outside of the – sort of the galactic part of the map showing 90 nations, which are consolidated into two consortiums. One is to high-tech trade, and the other is, is um, DNA trade you know, what do you call it, genetic trade. Um, There are a number of incursions on the map coming from beyond the galaxy, which are sort of almost like the spiritual police forces. And uh, so that's the map on my wall. Um, They can say, uh, and let me jump to something here, what I call God mind. When do we think like God? Why would planet Earth, in her current state, be of any use to the universe in the future? Point number one is we have more separate, independent, and unique cultures than anywhere we know of. So it's not even just about being aliens out there. We have a hundred unique cultures on the planet. Barbara Marciniak is always using the word the living library. So we could be really valuable to the universe as a living library. And why? Because then we'd be the grad school for all the creator sons and daughters, which we are now. There's an indicate there's plenty of evidence that our civilization on the surface of this earth has been the gymnasium for the creator sons and daughters for maybe two thousand different generations. That's how far it could go back. So once you explode this map, buddy, you better get out a lot of markers and a big whiteboard because <laughs> the evidence is coming in from everywhere. And uh, So tell me about – so you mentioned, did you say the Agarthans in the, in, in the Earth, right? So I, I've, heard, I've heard two things. I've heard there's a, an opening, there's an entrance into the – Middle Earth, and it's a honeycomb structure inside. 
a physical entrance, but I've also heard that it's not physical. It's, it's another dimension. It's an alternate dimension. So we can't actually see it with our physical eyes unless we've given, right. you know, been given that superpower. So what do you have any inside information about this? Well, the developmental picture I have from listening to multiple sources is when the earth was sort of washed and uh, Lemuria went under and became the Pacific and all the tribal people in Lemuria climbed into the Andes and the Sierras and wherever they could go and they Shasta. went into any kind of huh? any kind of hole they could find. Shasta, sure. And I've been to Shasta and made a contact with uh, uh, Adama through a channel who was a that's a whole nother story. But they're operating on the fifth dimension. That's the reason they can leave the planet and come back without us ever knowing it. They don't worry right. about it. They can penetrate the dirt and whatnot. Point is, they're all waiting for us to do something. We are a huge experiment called yep. Can This Culture, with the addition of an emotional intelligence, outperform cultures of the past. And they're all up there. We're like the Olympics uh, on their yep. screens. Greatest yeah. show on and, Earth, in uh, yeah. the universe, in the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, in, you, what, in what way are we the Olympics? We're the Olympics of, of what? Well, of, of all uh, humanoids and, and many of the others that are making a civilization. That's what we're doing here. This is a game called Build a Civilization. You don't know anybody for a while, and then you know some, and then you get, and finally all the boundaries come down for nations, and then you build up communities of interest with uh, the web and um, all of the old chivalrous and 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 uh, you know slogans die. So they're watching. How well are we doing this? What do you think? Uh, well, I think it's moving way faster than. Most there was um, there was a an army um, officer named Corso who wrote a book called The Day After Tomorrow, where he claimed that night vision chips, uh, fiber optics, uh, all came from Roswell. Um, was the Roswell right. crash alien, and did we get technology? Um, two things that I've always found very interesting is I think that that AT and T patented the transistor in 1947 yeah. and also lasers in 1947, <laughs> which are part of fiber optics. And it just seemed like yeah. a weird coincidence that that year, is there any truth to Corso's story? Oh, Oh, it's, I think there are five very specific things came out of that ship, uh, circuit boards, um, um, anti-gravity devices, um, what you said and, and a couple of others, but yeah, well, our engineers are really hot shots. You know, I've watched General Motors build goofy cars in two days that were completely polished metal with lights in different places and whatnot. So we have a genius. The American genius right now is building these ships, and they're going places, and they're building some of the best ships in the local galaxy all of a sudden. And they've been doing working on this a long time. But, uh, Wait, you're saying that Earth is building spaceships? Oh, oh absolutely. Beyond, beyond what they're building at SpaceX and at UTA with Russian engines? 
Alex, um, do you know about oh the? God. Have you heard about the the Nazis? Uh, th- that program. I mean, this is all declassified. Yeah, I've heard about the yeah, Nazis yeah. program, but that's not my question. Yeah, well, it's the guys that are revealing that's it are the up. Navy guys, the Navy guys that have been in the ships and going places for quite some time, and um, they obviously didn't build ships initially, but I think they got some ships delivered and then rebuilt off of those models. And uh, they have um, capacities to get from here to Mars in a couple of hours, and they leave it at night and nobody knows. And, and they're actually doing police work in the local galaxy. What we find out about advanced civilizations is they don't always have great ethics, and where you find the problem is with bandits. So they have their civilizations together, but they all have bandits. So that's why you have to have police police patrols. And so we've already made deals with people from other places where they didn't deliver, deliver the goods and had to go and collect. So it's a kind of a, seems like it's a police force. This stuff has been pouring through uh, YouTube now for two years. And uh, it. It's David Wood. But there's lots of, but there's also nonsense on YouTube. How do you uh, differentiate between something that's true and something that's fanciful? <laughs> yeah. Do, you, do you have contacts in like, the in the military? Can, you can tell when somebody's lying. <laughs> it's it's not such an advanced skill. <laughs> no, people like us that write and organize our thoughts and whatnot. You can pretty well tell when it's uh, propaganda, and there's tons of it. And and they've been. So like, do you have any specific of- information from within? Uh, from so you're feeding, you're still feeding them information. Are you still getting the information from them as well? No, they can't afford to let anyone know they get information from me. It it ruins confidence of a, of their less confident leaders um, but they've been doing it all along um, and you know what's interesting about this is you know how I know that because my channels let me talk to people who can prove it to me and I say okay I just made this website did, did they get it and the answer is they got it all except this part so why I'm 5D now is because I do use channels and I do use my dreams and I do use a remote viewing team and I'm reaching out with tools that I have. Yes, the information is fuzzier, but as you get more intuitive, you can read fuzzy. You know, if you're with your partner, you you know, you know, five seconds before she says something that's coming. Anyway. uh, One of the things that um, we we like to do on the show is to give people action steps that they can take to be more in alignment and congruent with the speaker and and his or her uh, consciousness. Would you um, give our listeners some ways to, um, well, I guess if I had three, how do we begin remote viewing? What what do we do if we want to learn to remote view? Uh, two, how do we channel information, basically ask a question and get an answer? And three, how do we have a real 
encounter with an extraterrestrial intelligence. Okay. Uh, uh, these are sincere the, questions. These are these are met I, with full respect and, and, and interest in the answers so that I can do these things myself. Well, of course. I've well, been wanting okay, to do I'm number gonna... three for a long time. <laughs> Talking to your own soul or your higher self takes ten seconds. Be quiet. Take a couple of breaths. And ask your higher self, what did you agree to do when you came here this time? Ready, go. Okay. Now, my guess is you both got an answer, and so did everybody else. And you'd say, oh, well, baby, that's, but that's pretty goody-goody. Can you get more detail? You can get more detail because the answer you just got came from your self. And you can always talk to that entity. Always. So when you get into a tricky situation, you can ask for advice. And the first time you get stuff, you're not going to believe it because it's not usual for you, then you, you'll you get some advice directly, intuitively, like player cognizance. You feel something is so. That's player cognizance. And then later, you'll get a dream. If you put the dream on a piece of paper and break it down a little bit, you'll get a little bit more information. So I have a 20-foot canvas in my studio for my dream. And there are 17 of them that are locked together now in there. Wait, you have a 20-foot canvas in your studio, and you have 17 of your dreams on the canvas? You paint your dreams? Yes. Really? Wow. What what kind of paints do you use? Uh, mostly water-based that dry really fast. Wow, and this I is wonderful. I have I just set up my painting studio. I have uh, just started painting this year, so I'm thrilled with your answer. Thank you so much, Colonel. <laughs> well, now I also have 65 words written. Is, up is there it possible the- for you to take a photograph of it and post it on our Futurist Facebook page? Sure. Oh, that would be so wonderful. I'm so happy we're having this conversation. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, but there there are other signals now. Once you're in the 5D radar department, you know, listening to tone of voice is a big deal. Trusting certain people you know, somehow know things. You begin to use all these subtle sources. And then the way I keep from going crazy is by putting it on a big map. So visual language is a huge thing if you're dealing with multiple ideas and multiple interests. There's a starscape, a constant. Just get a picture of a constellation in your mind. Yes. Okay. In fact, I have a a poster of galaxies um, in you know in my art studio. Yeah. And how could you not? Because that's language. It's I just love looking of, at galaxies. I don't. Can you tell me what? I I get so much pleasure and happiness and joy from just <laughs> looking at pictures and images of galaxies. Why Why is that? Because you created it. You're the creator god, Alex. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Colonel? Well, I think that <laughs> we get very uh, 
drugged down a dumb lane when we have to reduce everything we're thinking to single words. So universe always is like a galaxy. It is always a cluster. Some things are bigger, some things are hotter, some things are colder. The whole world is like that. Everything we walk around in is like that. So that's more like real language than words, except our little tracking mind now has been taught this micro-technology called words. Uh, so you're comfortable actually seeing the truth. That's what I would say. Because a constellation is much more truthful than any kind of composition. I, uh, I also got a lot of pleasure recently reading scientific reports that do the census of our body and say the latest numbers are that we have 27 trillion cells, but we have, t- on average, 23 trillion microorganisms in our body. And so, in fact, scientifically, we are not a unity. We are a constellation ourselves of, of 23 trillion different entities. And right. so, I, you know, it's, it's funny, that, but we should be looking at galaxies because they're kind of a mirror of us. Hologram. Yeah, so imagine you now breathe into that constellation of things you just said and it separates all the parts a little bit. And then you make a sound, and you go, and breathe out, and all of the heavier particles leave. So this is, <laughs> this, is, this is how permeable we really are and how wonderful it is and why breathing uh, in the deep way is a part of any, any day. Um, just like spinning to the right 33 times will get your chakras going. See, we're talking evolutionary tactics here. This is the stuff I think is in in the 5D world, and we can all make a, a new manual for the next best stuff to do. And Barbara Marciniak, among others, has got plenty of things to contribute. Oh, but, what what books would you recommend reading um, that tell us about how to a remote view and 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 meet with extraterrestrial intelligences what which ones have your seal of approval if any i think no books that's too slow okay i would i would get on uh i would get on uh uh youtube and i would select you know extraterrestrial intelligence i'd select all the keywords that you just said and see which they'll bring you the movies every day and uh, go through and listen to the world expert who nobody may know on any given subject. I can get a master's degree every seven weeks on YouTube and listen to the world's best experts on the subject. And uh, simultaneously, of course, there'll be all kinds of drivel out there, but if you don't use the keyword called drivel, you won't get it. But if you use a keyword called, you know, uh, hypersensitive, you might get some really cool stuff. Yeah, um, let me let me tell you what Jen does. So Jen uses her Google search and her YouTube search as a form of meditation. She'll go into meditation. Her guides will tell her, Google the universal laws or Google a certain name. One time, three weeks ago, she came out of meditation. Her guides showed her a picture and said, Google this name. And so she Googled the, the name, found the woman with the picture, and uh, the, her guide said, okay, buy a 
consultation with her, right? And so she bought a consultation with her. And, and now there's another thing she does is when she's looking at, you know, when she's reading, when her guides tell her Google something, she'll, she's still Googling with her third eye, right? She's still reading this with her third eye, with her intuition and not, not her logical mind. So she'll be looking down the page and something will, her guides will light something up for her. They'll light up a link and she'll click on that link. And then she'll kind of right. scan through the page and her guides light certain things up. So this is what Jim's talking right. about. With, or yeah, there's a lot of shit on YouTube. And, you know, when you're tapped into your intuition and listening to your upstairs team, you still get the information. You know what's bullshit and you know what's not bullshit, right? And so that's, 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 right. that's what, yeah, that's, that's what he's talking it about. So that's how. Sorry, excuse me. Just one thing for the, for the sound quality for our listeners. I keep hearing a beeping going off in the background. I don't think it's me. No, it's my phone, and I can't tell you. I think it's maybe somebody sending me a message, but if you ask me to turn it off, I'll probably mess the whole thing up. <laughs> okay, I, I think it's I, consistent. It might be low battery. That, that's what I nope. asked him before the show. Nope, not low battery. I took care of that for sure. Okay. And it's plugged in, too. Okay, just making sure that if we could deal with it, but it's fine. I don't want to lose you as our as our conversation partner yep. here thank you very much and by the way if I were on the other side right now I would be using that little beep to accent things that are important they're not allowed to <laughs> there you go that's so fifth beep. dimensional of you <laughs> yeah how, how, would, how, how do we use this beep to access things say at the sound of the tone I will become 1% more enlightened <laughs> Now, hey, now you have just hit the other side of the coin because receiving is one whole side of dimensional stuff. But if you want to get support from the universe, you have to tease them up. Why Einstein says wander around every day for three hours. If you're not doing that, you're not giving your spiritual guides and hosts a chance to find out what you want to know next. Wait, Einstein said that? Yeah. Einstein said that? Yeah. It sounds awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, and look what he came up with, stuff that nobody had ever thought of before. That's how that works. So So, um, all the stuff... Wow. Well, this opens up another topic. Um, uh, Did you study at Esalen? Oh, in and out, but I but I studied the people who went to Esalen. Okay, you know. um, I go to Esalen about once a quarter to study shamanism with uh, uh, prof- uh, prof- uh, Professor Hank Wesselman, who's written a number of books about that. I'll be going again in September. What um, I have this sense, and I, I'd, I'd like to see if you have the same sense that uh, we are all the descendants of shaman because there was something called the Toba event that happened 57,000 years ago. And genetically, it looks like we are all, all, all humans today, all 7.5 billion of us, are the descendants of 2,000 breeding individuals. And they were separated. Uh, I did the math. I looked at the, at the world maps and all that. So of those two, they had an average of 98,000 square miles of their own territory. So they had to find each other. 
And it just seemed to me that the ones who didn't have remote viewing, the ones that didn't have spirit guides, the ones that didn't have the ability to ask for spirit guide help and then be led to meet a mate, died. And so we're all the descendants of shaman and people who could do remote viewing. Do you agree or disagree with, with that? Yeah. And they, that's the same class of beings that I call creator sons and daughters. So you, you so this is my this is what I I got out of a spirit journey at Esalen in my shamanic wisdom class. Yeah, you you have felt something similar to that. Um. Oh yeah. Well, we okay. just heard oh, the yeah. beep to accent that. So. <laughs> well, because people have asked me, how do you know that shamanism has been around a hundred thousand years, and how do you know that we're all the descendants of? of shaman and I say well that's just what my spirit guides tell me and they say well where's the evidence of it and I go okay I guess if I ask enough smart people and they agree with it then there's a little bit of validity for it yeah I love well, it listen. Alex there's you, you have such an interesting mix of people on your page and they're all they're most of them are the 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 super intelligent computer brains and I love that you're bringing these two worlds together well, I'm not so sure about that. A regular person on my page is the editor and publisher of MIT Technology Review, and he uh, he just posted the cover of a book uh, on conspiracy theories. He likes to take everything that I that I talk I know, about and funny. say, "Oh, that's another conspiracy theory." Well, um, yeah. Colonel, what what do you say to people who say when you when you talk about how the world works, that's different from what's in the mass media, and they say, "Oh, that's a conspiracy theory." What what do you say? What's your response? I have no time for conspiracy theories because they never get us anywhere. I am a pro-spiracy theory guy. I do <laughs> only pro-spiracy. Oh my God, it's so good. What's a what's a pro-spiracy? Because because <laughs> prayer works. Prayer is the the best kept secret in the galaxy. People think they can only pray like once a month. You can pray every 15 minutes, and if you do, you'll get really good results. You walk yourself forward into your prayer, and that's, uh, that's you eventually get to control your reality that way. Check it out. What would you do if you were God? What would, what would you give sentient beings as a gift? Oh, well, I'd if say. I were a God, I would go out and I would do my mission, which is to bring... Uh, worlds that aren't apparently to life, uh, to bring them to life. I actually had a, a spirit journey in which I talked to a bunch of alien beings and they told me about how how to do this and why to do it. So I've got yes. I've got a really clear idea of how to go about the chemi- the biochemistry of it all. So for me, that would be a joy based um, um, hero's journey. So okay, that most, sounds good. A joy-based hero's journey. I want to. I want to. I want to exist in a reality where I'm talking with people about that all the time. How do I do that? I just keep praying for it, and every time you see a clue, bring it on board. Okay, listeners, uh, if you have a joy-based hero's journey that you're on, please uh, contact me and share it with me, so I can I can uh, give you kudos and be happy for you. Okay, so I can I can integrate what Jim is saying right now. I can give you the pieces that that Jim's that Jim's trying to convey right now. So what he means by joy-based hero's journey. So the old hero's journey, the old model of the hero's journey is a 3D and 4D construct, which requires a 
a, a horrible death and rebirth, right? Every movie we ever watch, uh, every action movie requires the hero to almost die and then figures out some new gift that they didn't know they had, right? So that's the old model of the hero's journey. Yeah, and in, As, and in Harry, Harry Potter and in The Matrix and yeah. stuff, they literally die. Yes. Exactly, exactly. So in 5D, as creator gods, we, we, dis, we discard the old model of the hero's journey that it has to be hard and that we have to die. And we can make it, we can do it in an easier way. And every time, he talk, every time Jim's talking about prayer and meditation and listening, he's talking about listening as a conversation. So you get a piece of information. 5D is about being awake in the dream. And so when you get a piece of information, then you start a dialogue, right? And you ask another question and get another answer. And then you go out into the 3D world and take action and try something and then go back and recalibrate and ask again, right? And so this is Yay! how we can create that. <laughs> right on. I've been doing it. Oh. So this is how we create that that pro, uh, the pro-spiracy theory. I, I love it. And this is, this is what I loved about you, Jim, about the way that you talk about the military is you see the bigger picture. You realize that you're the creator. And instead of getting pissed off about it, you say, I'm going to change it. Right. And so, and we do that through prayer and meditation and, uh, calculation and storytelling. And, and yep. Yes. Plant seeds yes. in people's minds. I love yes. it. Soon, planet Earth will be a honeycomb of many small cultures. And from all over the galaxy, there will come people who bring their own sense of culture with them. The ships they have will be a mile across, and they will bring their own biosphere. And they will bring all their cultural tools. They will join up with the people in the small green villages who have finally saved the world. And through this will breed these lovely creatures we talk about who are always learning about the future and graduating to be creators at grander and grander levels. Blah, 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 blah. We call them the Guglios. See, see I'm using just mythology here, giving names to the heroes and um, making the situation real, even though it's much more ethereal than ever before. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would shaman. love it if you, you have had all a, of us it, right now. If if you have a, a chance to see Alien Encounters three, have you ever seen the TV show on the Science Channel? No. Um, I would I would I would welcome it uh, as a future dialogue if you watched it. The, the um, I was interviewed for it, and the first episode and the last episode, which is the saddest ending of any television show ever, especially on the Science Channel. Um, those are from from what I off? told them. Uh, you have to watch it and see. But it's basically okay, about the the U.S. military. Um, there is a way for for humanity to achieve. Uh, collective intelligence and become a social superorganism with extraordinary powers and insights and basically the US military declares war on it that's the that's the you know the the dramatic narrative of the piece but it's meant to show how humans can evolve and how we can integrate together and move to another level of of cooperation yeah 
And the guys in Hollywood are still making the army out to be stupid droogs. You know, they have no idea. You know, in military... Are you saying droogs as in the people in Clockwork Orange? Yeah, that kind of thing, you know. The same kind of guys they're turning policemen into when they put them behind shields and cover their heads up and put padding all around them. You know, they're just... And then they march in a big lump like the Imperials. It's Star Wars. It's the Imperial Force. Is it on purpose? Is it trying to be Star Wars? Or is it accidentally and coincidentally Star Wars? Um, No, it's not incidental at all. Uh, The people who are doing it are disempowered. They want the militaries to be palace guards for the power structure. Okay. The militaries can be the natural guard, and they can shift to that role, along with the police force, the firemen, the paramedics, the U.S. Marshals. They can all be a team in every bioregion. And once they know that, those other guys got to go away. On on my my AMA last night, they asked me anything. One of my friends who's studying uh, at International Space University in Israel, we're writing a book on space together, uh, asked, what are the chances over the next four to eight years of a military coup in the United States? Oh, it's almost happened several times. And the plans have been there for 38 years. What, what, do you, what do you think the odds of that of a military coup in the next four years are? Um, well, there are some people who think it's already occurred and that uh, a lot of the puppets are just being allowed to wander around pretending they're doing something, but that they're under complete observation by um, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and all the military forces. Uh, the special forces have been carrying all the, the documents having to do with the new economy around because before the mafia would just steal them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they're called the white hats, you know. But uh, and the ones that are really on guard the most are the ones who have not been sucked into these secret programs because once they're in a secret program and you become something special and you can't breathe. But the ones who are too good by nature to follow, to sucker in to those secret programs, they're the ones that are kind of pissed off right now. They don't, they're, they're good Boy Scouts, and they resent having somebody mess the garden up, you know. Um, and I mean that. You won't find any more uh, trenchant uh, preservers of the Constitution than in the Army and Navy and whatnot. Will will either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump become president? I hope they both do, and the whole thing falls around their knees. We don't (laughs) need a government. We already have a webocracy. We already have a working, connected network of people who can do business with each other everywhere on the planet. Governments are dead, and they're dead meat. And I'm, you can see my voice change here because the sooner they collapse, the better. And, of course, God brought a couple of holy fools in to prove how dumb they are, both Hillary and, and what's his name, for proving how <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, Like Voldemort? Not, 
has no clothes. He has bubble gum stuck to his hair everywhere. Yeah, it's thick. No, it's over. Okay, okay. I have a I have a question, Jim. So, you know, we just talked about uh, we just talked about the the police forces that look like uh, Star Wars, right? Look what? like the stormtroopers. And so the way they look on the street where you can't see their faces, they all look exactly right. the same. They look like a clone army. They're, they're, you can't tell that they have a personality. They just look like one being. And, and so how – so I've seen in other countries where people are, are, are – uh, protesting in other countries where there's uh, their police forces are out. And I've seen the police forces lay down their arms, right? They lay down their batons and their shields and, and, and like their humanity comes through, right? So how, how likely do you think it is? I keep waiting for this. I keep waiting for at some point in a protest or in something where these riot cops are out and they're they're moving like a big block and and shuffling people and moving people and hurting people. What's it going to take for them to wake up and realize that they're just hurting themselves? Realize that we're all on the same team, right? And and I mean, if like what happens if martial law happens? And I mean, how what do we what do we have to do to wake up the military? Wake up the police force? And, I mean, how do we do this? I mean, obviously, it's it's in the in the collective as a dream, as a prayer, as a meditation. Uh, what do you have any inf- any extra information on that? Yeah, this is a real. You nailed it on the head by making them not show their faces because that they already feel bad about what they're doing. Right. Um, Simple, some simple way to share with them that we know where their families live would be an interesting one. Just simply a, a placard, you know. When you go home, I hope you will find your families aren't being pushed around, or maybe you would like that. So there's some sort of counter bluster here that might work. If you could get a beautiful girl to go in and simply unmask one of the guys very slowly on camera, that mm. would work. The mm. best in the world we have now is the, the uh, cell cam. There is the eyes of justice cell cams, and that's why almost all of these yeah. events are getting up. And it's only going to get more like that. I uh, train the first Earth Battalion guys to think of themselves first as a exposure force. You know, you carry cameras everywhere you go. You show people in humanity and then stick it in their face. Um, I'm, I'm sounding a little projected here, but um, yeah, it's things like that, and it's it. Yeah, it will it will happen where. Just like those soldiers who stopped in the road, bent down on one knee, and turned their rifle yeah. uh, into the ground. That will happen. And the more movies we get where that happens, the more likely the cops will do that because they've seen the movie. But they don't know it's an option right now. Now, that's where we have to get the movie industry back on our side. Or, as it is happening now, we make the movies with our cell cams, and uh, nobody is watching CNN anymore. 
Have you seen the, the yeah. web uh, pages for Time Magazine and whatnot? There's no. like two comments. Yeah, there's like two comments on one of their stories. Two. How? See, anybody on Facebook gets like 15. <laughs> no, they are actually disappearing. And that they haven't quite known how to deal with it yet. I'm waiting for. Oh, wasn't younger... Business Week sold to Bloomberg for a dollar or something crazy like that? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not sure, but what I feel is that this whole thing is working out as a transformation over time where there is disclosure at the right level and there is reassembly at the right level. Just as as the old boys are coming down, the new villages are coming up, and the young kids are going to farm and whatnot. So I, I feel like it's pretty elegant right now. So tell us uh, what you're doing with with your with your village. Um, well, simple things like if you have a Saturday market and you don't have a couple of places where there are at least 10 or 15 tables and chairs, you're not going to collect any affiliation. People will just uh, treat it like a cafeteria. But if you put places for them to sit and add a, a folk singer, all of a sudden you can start building unity back in the village. This is social architecture. Um, Uh-oh. If, Are you there? What's that? Yeah. Are you? Okay. Emma? Y- yeah. Looks like we lost okay. Alex. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, that kind of thing. We're also um, understanding that Chiz and, and uh, the, the Lions Club and whatnot, these are all people that can be employed in an emergency. But if you don't let them know and let them practice, they don't get any affiliation. So there's some of that needs to go on. As to smaller places like my property, I'm... I'm designing it with peace, plenty, and play in mind. So it's not all a mechanical engineering um, system. I don't want a, an acre full of pipes and tanks and and plastic. You know, I want an acre full of fruit trees. You know, with edible landscaping growing around the bottom and two or three places to play in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can yeah. see we have a lot of territory here, so I think um, to give um, sort of a second a second idea about what somebody could do at home, um, I would say exercise your God mind. If you look at all the news around you these days, where is a positive vision for planet Earth? Have you heard of one? Well, why don't you in, go home and invent one right now to see if it's possible and get used to the idea that you can invent promising prospiracy all the time and then pray. And that brings up the third idea. Barbara Mosiniak, very subtly one time, said, you know you can pray for your own ascension? So here we're getting in the whole thing together now. So 
do you want to go up the tunnel of light and see your grandfather and grandmother and your uncles and cousins? Okay, so in what setting? Is there a barbecue? Uh, Come up with some of the details. Then would you want to see your own spirit guides? How about another whole level where you join your spirit guides on a spaceship and you get to hang out and talk about all the times they tried to get you to do this and you did that and whatnot. Then there are um, another four or five other options I'm going to take in my ascension prayer, but that's a practice. So so I've asked you to make contact, number one, with your, your own inner uh, higher self just by asking mm-hmm. the question quiet for 10 seconds so you get the answer. You can do that at any time about anything. I'm asking you to exercise your God mind as a creator and imagine the best possible things that can happen in all situations around you all of the time. Get prosperity in your soul. And the third thing is, as an exercise, pray for your ascension in detail. You know, see, I want the scenery in place. I want the music in place. I want the lighting in place. Dancing girls, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> those are my those are my three requests, and and you can do it very. You can do it I, again. I have time. a I have a a question about this. Um, I'd like to visualize how I can develop psychic powers. What are the psychic powers that you have observed in your long and illustrious career that that you've actually you you either powers that you either have had yourself or you've seen them in other other humans? Okay, that could be a long list, but if you deal with the four basic ones, clairsentience, use your feeling sense about things. Somebody says something. Do you believe it? Feel it, and then ask yourself, is that real or not? You can you can use that one. That's a huge one. Uh, Claire, audience, listen to the tone of voice as you watch the mannerisms of people around you and, and determine the degree to which they understand what they are talking about. Um, sound can produce a lot of interesting things, but... Um, that's the most obvious thing to use right away. Clear audience, that's clear audience. Um, clear cognizance. When you get an idea out of nowhere, put it in your journal. Draw it down if you can. That's just when something pops into your mind. So we have clear audience, clairvoyance. Yeah, clairvoyance is like having a dream. Put your dreams down too. Then make a game out of connecting the dots. Then decide what you can do better than all of that and pray for it. And use your prayer protocols too. Like you say a prayer in a light-handed way. You say at the end, so be it. You say amen. And then you say something like the prayer is released. So people who hold on to have you do heavy praying hold on to their prayers more than they need to. So we've got all these subtle 
subtle um, ways you're tuning your you're tuning your whole system to a much subtler level. Listen to the details in the finest ways, and then create a proactive solution every time. Uh, you can get tired praying, but um, if you have a few sayings uh, for yourself, like you're you're getting up in the morning and you're ready to go and do your day, I usually make a picture with my hand, my fingers pointing forward with my thumbs, and this means everything will flow for me. That's my prayer. Uh, I will attend. I will attend in detail to the heart messages I get. That could be another prayer. Uh, and then I will uh, write, add all this to my bigger prayer on my canvas when I have time. Uh, that's a type of like interim prayer. That's for a couple of hours. But get used to every time you move into a new situation, upgrade it in your mind, and you watch what will happen. You'll see the upgrade. That's the beautiful thing about having a vision or having a prayer. You're reminding yourself what to look for. And then selectively you will find it. It doesn't mean it appears out of magic. It was already there. But you're training yourself to see the best and operate with the best. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, that's what that's what we talk about all the time is is using your intention, your focus to raise your vibration and raise uh, your, your possibility, your possibilities, right? What you think is possible. And, and that's how they start showing up. And that's why, that's why I love all the stuff that Alex posts all over the place uh, on his, on his page is because he has the most fascinating articles that expand your mind and, uh, and what is possible, which is also the, the purpose of this show. So thank you for expanding our, our consciousness, and thank you for expanding uh, for us what's possible. Yes, and 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 sort of the military part is just uh, a coincidence in a lot of ways. Uh, the waking up part, um, I didn't ask to be moved all over the planet 50 times in my life. That came from some other source, but by being forced to do that, I was forced to wake up an awful lot of the channels I wouldn't even know existed otherwise. And when I was in the military, just like when I worked in corporations, I just passed it on to them. I never asked a corporate group what their higher purpose was, that they didn't go right after it. You know, you'd think they'd say, well, that's a cultural matter, son. We're trying to make money here. No, never. And I thought, I talked to 10 of the world's 100 largest companies and made their visions for them in beautiful art and color and then told stories to make it better with music if possible. <laughs> wow. Anyway. So we've, so got, we've got about eight minutes left. I'm, I'm wondering, Alex, do you have any last questions for him or else I'd love to hear his 17 dreams for the yes, future. I have, I have the, how can um, evidence, uh, Colonel, that we can raise yeah or lower IQ by 20 points in a short period of time. You can just Google, you know, raise IQ and stuff. Why don't governments uh, or the United States or the military seek to increase intelligence? Because if you increase intelligence, you can do so many other things. You can reduce health care expenditures. You can have people ready to train for new jobs. For instance, there's just an article today that said that for the cost of one 
coal company CEO salary, you could retrain every coal worker to be a solar worker, et cetera. You know, I mean, the smarter you are, the more that you can learn new things. Why? And I see all these reports of what amount to neurotoxins with lead is a neurotoxin. Canola oil, rapeseed is a, is a neurotoxin. Even obesity is a brain shrinker. Why do we have a society that seems to be built around shrinking our brains rather than growing and increasing and improving our brains? Hmm. You're just a very busy, impatient man, tackling all the time a little bit. <laughs> it's it's so hard to see it in slow motion, but every quality we had as human beings in the 19th century, you know, has uh, increased a hundred times into the 20th century, and it just still happens so slow you don't notice it. Sanitation, for example, why don't we clean this place up? Well, we've been cleaning it up steadily for a hundred years, and it's going way better than we ever could have imagined, really. And and so, well, we're making a big mess, too. Um, The Chinese used to have a saying about keep them happy where they are. And that was the way the kings kept all the minions uh, at work, eating their rice, whatever it was, and uh, saying their prayers and doing their tai chi, whatever it was. Um, it's it's it is the natural tendency of larger organizations to want to stabilize the behavior of everybody underneath, and uh, the web will just do a nice job with that, I think, over time. <laughs> so, you're, uh, do I understand that you're saying I I should stop uh, worrying about it because the internet itself is going to be increasing people's intelligence? Ah, uh, yes. And, and not so only even if they don't that. do better on an IQ test, they're going to be actually smarter because they're, we have collective intelligence, through, including but not limited to the Internet. I think I, 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 I agree with that. And I was with my well, five-year-old. I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to understand yeah. what you've said because to some extent you're doing what you've just said, the Chinese proverb is you're, you're, you're going to make me happy if I could believe that that were true. But does the world seem to be getting smarter to you? Does it seem to be getting more moral and ethical to you? Um, is that your perspective? My granddaughter is five years old. She stood me down twice in the last couple of days on ethical things. <laughs> <laughs> These kids that are well, coming maybe in, that's man. just extraordinary genes and maybe the... Uh, your spirit guides have blessed you, you know, or maybe the aliens have beamed her with something intelligent, but maybe she's not the proxy for all kids these days. Yes, not the kids there's... that are coming in, man. There are oh, special forces right now. Um, anyway, yes, we've got to, we've got to uh, wind the show down. So Colonel, no, I don't want to thank end. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> For, well, we so can continue this conversation as a three-way afterwards, or or do round two at some point. But Colonel well, Jim well, one, Shannon, one thank question. you so much. Oh my gosh, Colonel, what? do you have a, any kind of a seminar that you offer? Anything where you give uh, face-to-face instruction? Here, you go to ChannonEndeavor.com, or rather ChannonArchive.com, EarthBattalion.com. And wander around 
<laughs> buy buy my book at Amazon called Go Planet and the other one called Evolutionary Tactics. And where do we get this poster with the uh, 80, 90 alien races that are here? Does that exist or is that a, a handmade poster? Um, it, you can uh, screen capture it off of YouTube sites because there are four or five of those posters, different kinds. Yeah. Okay. Could you link the, the best one to the uh, Facebook page for the Futurists, please? Hmm. The one, I'll send you the link uh, you mean, to, the, to the page, Jim. I, the page where there are pictures of aliens? Yeah. I mean, I'd love yeah. to see the, the map of the 80 alien races, and I'm sure that some of our listeners were. One of the people listening to this makes alien altars for, <laughs> for her art and her profession, and I know she'll want to see it. Uh-huh. I think uh, what I would say is I scanned a bunch of them. I think the British have the best pictures and um, go to YouTube and search for it. Okay, great. Well, thank you so awesome. much. So, really and anything else call. you want the people to? Anything else you want the listeners to know about you? Anything else you you want to offer them? Um, it has, no is okay. It has, that's enough. <laughs> that's not fair. I'm on my own diving board now. Go away. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, when you go to the Channon archives, listen to the audio tapes. There's a world of information in the way I talk with music. That's all. And we try, Great. we cover the uh, 50 year career here, you know, in a, an hour or so. And uh, <laughs> uh, that's, why they, uh, that's why the website is important. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Colonel. It's been amazing. Um, uh, anybody that's interested in, in my workshop with Alex Lightman, we're doing a workshop called The Futurist. It's a seven-day retreat in Costa Rica in January, and it will be preceded by The Futurist Summit, which uh, we'll be having the, 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 our, our guests from the show the speakers at this event. So there's your official invitation, Colonel. Uh, looking forward to, to seeing you all here. And we will see you next week. Any last words, Alex? Yeah. All right. Uh, I love this show. It's my favorite show so far. Thank you very much, Colonel. I really appreciate your time and your thoughts and your benevolence. And I'm so happy that when aliens think of, of representative humans, they think of you. <laughs> oh planet you're go our planet. interstellar Ciao diplomat <laughs> yeah go, go, to, go to gym so they think highly of us <laughs> alright bye everyone see you next love week love you guys have fun Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.